Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Essentials, Foundations of Christianity. You know, I was reading a story of an old gentleman that was somewhat rich, had a boatload of money. Young guy, one day asked him, he was like, how did you make all your money? He goes, well, it was during the Great Depression of 1932. I got down to my last nickel. And he said, I went out and bought an apple with that nickel. And I polished that apple, and later that day I sold that apple for a dime. He said, I took that dime and went out the next morning and bought two apples, and I polished those apples. And later that day I sold those apples for 20 cents. And he said, I did that every day for a month, and I accumulated $3.50. He said, then my wife's dad died and left us $10 million. <laughs> I was reading that laughing going, that's it. Hey, hey, Tim, how'd you get what you got? Where, where, where did you get what you got? My father in heaven is so kind that he left me an inheritance. I didn't do anything for it. I mean, I've tried to polish apples on my own, trying to make it work, and I've come to realize that I need God's grace. And if we ever understand God's grace, we'll realize that we've been given so much more than we could ever imagine, so much more than we can comprehend. How'd you get what you got? How'd you get to where you're at? It's the grace of God. Now, because of the performance mindset and the performance culture that we live in, it's hard for us to understand or comprehend grace because we've been told that you get what you work for. No, you've got to pass, then you can play. And if you work your tail off and climb the ladder, then you get there. And grace is radically different. Grace is where God is extending and we don't do anything to work for it. Grace is a, is a crazy uh, concept. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. I'm like, grace. Uh, Psalm 145 verse 8, the Lord is gracious and the Lord is merciful. Those two words right there are used throughout the pages of Scripture, grace and mercy. Grace, what is it? It's, it's unmerited favor. It's unmerited. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't accomplish it. Grace, what is it? It's, uh, it's God's love in action 24-7. Grace is the face that God wears when he looks at your failures. He's not mad. He loves us unconditionally. When he looks at us, he looks at us with grace. I I love you. Before the foundations of the world, before I said, let there be, I loved you. Before you were even in your mom's womb, I love you. Before I knitted you together, loved you. When you were born, loved you. You can't earn it. Your behavior doesn't merit it. 
It's the face that God wears even when he looks at my failure. Can I tell you something? I'm not there in the midst of failures at times. My own failures, failures of family members, failures of friends and coworkers. Sometimes I'll look and my face is not, love you. It's, I want to kill you. You ever been there? Grace. Mercy is when God withholds judgment. Oh, you, you, you deserve to be judged right now, but I'm going to withhold. Mercy is withholding. Grace is God extending and giving us what we don't deserve. Grace. I want you to get grace down. Grace is a crucial concept. Mercy gave the prodigal son when he came out of raising hell in the far country. Mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace threw him a party. Mercy forgave the thief on the cross. Mercy, grace walked him into heaven. I praise God for mercy, but I got to have grace. Anybody need grace in here today? You've jacked it up. You've ruined it. You've colored outside the lines. Yeah, I got to have some grace. Ephesians chapter 2. Man, I hope every person under my voice memorizes this. I don't care if you've been saved a day, a week, a year, or 50 years. For by grace you've been saved. And it's through faith. If you've experienced salvation, it's by grace that you have been saved. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not a result of work so that no man can boast about it. How did you get saved? How did you get what you got? I, I, my, my father gave it to me. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he extended grace. Grace, 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 amazing grace. I'm saved by grace. Man, I've got to understand grace. Now, we live in a society, and our world today is confused. And it's confused fundamental concepts like grace and tolerance. They've almost married the two together in our secular culture, this post-humanistic style world in which we live, and it's presented tolerance as grace, and it's not grace. Tolerance is way different, and we're told you've got to be tolerant. You've you got to be more tolerant with your neighbor. You've got to be more tolerant uh, in this world. If you don't become more tolerant, and if you don't okay abortion, we're going to take our film industry somewhere else. Pack your trucks up, girl, and go. We don't care. We don't care. But what the world is saying is we need you to be tolerant. We're not tolerant. A working definition of tolerance is this, okay? One of my favorite writers, G.K. Chesterton, years ago, this British journalist said, tolerance is the virtue for the man with no conviction. Tolerance is the virtue for the man with no conviction. A working definition of tolerance means respecting someone's opinions, practices, and behavior, even if they're 
opinions, practices, and behavior are sinful or promote sin. Everybody get this. The world in which we live says you've got to be tolerant. So even if the person's behavior, actions, thought processes, opinions are opposed to God, you've got to be tolerant, which means in our society, you've got to welcome those as if you'll welcome anything else. My buddy Mike Powell years ago called me and he goes, hey, I've got an extra ticket. I'd love for you to go. I said, where? He goes, you too is playing at Phillips. And I'm like, be a pretty cool thing. So we go down and we jam that night with U2. Joshua Tree was one of the first albums I listened to from U2 years ago. Bono is world globally known and their music is widespread. And Bono during the concert that night, it's almost cultish with the way people respond at this concert. But Bono put on this headband and it said one. And he's like, Muslims and Christians and Jews, we've got to come together as one. And I'm like, you're crazy. <laughs> Messiah Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. But this one movement was being pushed, this movement of let's be inclusive. Let's tolerate all viewpoints and worldviews as if all roads lead to the same place. They don't, and they won't. That's the definition of tolerance in our day. Now, we're, we're going to unpackage grace, but I've got to give you a working defini uh, definition of tolerance because tolerance is jacked up. And when I talk about grace, I'm not talking about tolerance. So, are you called to love the person and people? Yes. Are you called to extend the love of Christ to whoever? Yes. Are you called to accept and respect the behavior or practice when God calls it sin? No. No. I got a note from a guy this week, and I loved this note. Because he was asking for prayer for some of the things he was facing. And in his note, this is the way he worded it. A year plus ago, I was living, listen, listen, listen. I love the way he worded it. I thought it was awesome. He goes, I was living as a homosexual. He didn't say, I'm a homosexual. He goes, I was living as. His identity is not that. There, there's a lot of people that come in here that are living as drunks, living as drug addicts, living as porn addicts. I was living as this. I was like, thank you for wording it that way. Thank you for wording it that way. Because we here at the Cross Loganville exist to see you come to authentic faith and peace with Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to worship God in spirit and in truth. Because Jesus is full of grace and truth, and we're not going to rank your sin. Did you hear me? There's people in here that struggle with same-sex attraction, okay? There's people that are coloring so far out of the lines right now with multiple heterosexual partners, it's jacked up. In our society, it's almost like people want to rank going, but, but that homosexual gay lifestyle is, 
Are you nuts? The person who's struggling with gluttony and the person struggling with alcoholism has a real struggle going on. The person who is struggling, struggling with lying and the st- person who is struggling with slander, we're not going to rank your sin. It's all rank. Jesus died for sin. And so when this young man wrote it that way the other day, it threw him a heart. I'm like, man, I love the way you said that. Hey, man, I was living as. I was there. I was living as a womanizer. I was living as a stinking guppy drinking every night. I was living as, before I came to Jesus Christ and totally surrendered, I was living as a lost person. I just put it all under the umbrella of being lost. And like Dustin said, Jesus didn't make, just come to make, I'm going to make bad people good. He came to make lost people found. It's all lost. That's, that's right. Now, tolerance, you got to get this. Can tolerance and truth coexist? Is Bono push? No. I'm going to go on and tell you it can't. Truth is narrow. Truth, in its purest definition, excludes. We're going to unpackage this, and you'll see the hope. Tolerance accepts sin. God doesn't. Jesus died for sin. He didn't applaud sin. Can it coexist? No. Tolerance can and will corrupt the church. There are some people and some movements that have minimized and weakened biblical truth to such a point that they're tolerating whatever, ordaining whatever, endorsing whatever, and the Scripture has spoken specifically on these topics. Is there redemption available for all? Yes. Can all be redeemed and restored? Yes. Do we all have to become broken and repentant? Yes. Whatever your struggle is, whatever my struggle is, it has to be brought to the foot of the cross, and we need the shed blood of Jesus to cleanse us and give us a fresh start. Do we rank sin? No, we don't. Tolerance will corrupt your view of Christ, your view of the Word. It will hinder your ability to love accurately and worship honestly. Does God say anything about it? Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess, yet she teaches and leads my people astray. My servants, she's, she's, she's leading them astray. They're committing acts of immorality and they're eating things sacrificed to idols. I've got this against you. You're, you're tolerating Tolerance in its purest definition excuses. Grace extends hope and healing. Tolerance excuses. But truth, when you start to break it down, it's, it excludes. Do I need grace today? Yes. But I've got to have discernment where I can know right and wrong and differentiate, and I want to worship God in spirit and in truth. You can't worship God in spirit if you're not worshiping God in truth. You're in violation to the character of God. You've got to worship him in spirit and in truth. 
How do I do that? I've got to have his grace, and I've got to have illumination, and I've got to have proper revelation, and what God has spoken, I've got to know, and I've got to land on it. So I invite you to worship God accurately. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this truth, that God who began a good work in you, this God will be faithful to perfect and complete this work until it's finished, until the day of Christ Jesus. I am confident of this very truth. What truth? That God, when he begins a good work, he's faithful to perfect it and complete it. God, his will is that I will finish what I start and I want to see you through whatever valley you're going through. Wherever you find yourself today, he wants to walk with you. He wants to pour out his Holy Spirit. He wants you to finish this race well. He wants you to run in such a way that you can win this race. So when I get that news the other night, it, it, it breaks my heart because it's my baby. I mean, I've been told, man, we got to take your appendix out. We got to take your tonsils out. We got to scope your knee. We got to cut your shoulder. We got to do this. We, okay. It's cool. But this was like new suffering to me to see my baby suffer 12, 1,500 miles away. What can I do? I press into the Lord, but what can I do? I'm hurting for her. Because much like my friend Drew and Teresa, when you're di diagnosed, Addison, with diabetes and, and you've got these insulin issues, this ain't like something you're going to battle for a few days. And so I started thinking through whatever's going on inside my baby girl's lungs. That this is chronic. This is, this is something she's going to have to fight. Hell, it's something you've got to live with, something you've got to fight. It's, got, it's like, and I was telling Hannah the other day how God has rallied so many of y'all together, Austin. I mean, this one over here, I've lost my sight, I'm blind. This one over here is battling this. God is raising up y'all to infiltrate lives like nobody's ever seen. That's, I told Rick that the other day. I said, Rick, God's given you an incredible opportunity to raise up this next generation of worshipers and pastors and leaders. God, God's got a call in your life, Austin, right now that blows my mind, and I see it. And I see it with Hannah. And I see like he's... He's using affliction and limps in their lives to bring about deeper grace and revelation, Addison, where y'all at 13 and 14 and 16 or whatever, he's raising up, Drew, the next generation of infiltrators that are not afraid of suffering. So I was thinking about that with Hannah. I was like, the bond I have with Hannah Dean is different than any of the rest of them. I mean, I love Rachel. She's my firstborn. She's my little girl. She's 26, and then Hannah's 16. And I'm like, I, I love my boys. But October 2nd, 2002, th that morning changed my life because Barb was due, and we knew she was due, but she wakes me up at 10 after 4 in the morning and she's like, my contractions are picking up, and, and they're picking up rapidly. And I was like, what, what, what do you want me to do? I'm sleeping. 
So I do what every responsible man would do. I, I go to the restroom and, and then I go and wash my hands and wash my face. And we have our babies at home with a midwife. So we get the sterile sheets out and we start putting them on the bed. Cool. That's what we do. So once we got the, the beds kind of made with these sterilized sheets, I go in and start making coffee. And Barb calls and says, you've got to come back. And I run back into our bedroom, which she's not there. She's now in the bathroom, and she's in between the two sinks at the vanity, and she's leaned over, and she's like, all right, my water broke. You're going to have to clean it up. <laughs> I was okay with being an orderly. So I grab towels, and I clean it up. And after wiping up the floor, I go to throw the towels in the laundry room, and she's screaming, you better come back. To which I come back, and she's like, she's coming. You've got to catch her. And I'm like, where is the midwife? And she's like, she ain't going to make it. What? Barb hasn't moved. I get behind Barb. She's still bent over, and bam, I grab that little neck and that little head and cradle it, and here she is. Now, even if we would have tried to have a baby at a hospital and she would have woke me up, we would have probably been at about mile marker 11 on Highway 316, and that would have been a whole different kind of scenario. But I catch her and I cradle her. I was like, wow. And Barb goes, why do you tell the story as if you had the hard part? <laughs> well, Barb, when you speak, you can tell it the way you want to. <laughs> but based on my experience, I had the hard part. <laughs> because I knew... After all those years in baseball, I did not want to make an error on that one. <laughs> and so, Barb, I'm, the cord is between her legs, and I'm holding little baby Hannah. And Barb is like, all right. After about a minute and in that squatted position, she goes, I got to lay down. <sighs> okay. So we go into the bedroom and lay Hannah on the bed. And I call the midwife, and I'm like, she's here. What do I do? And I've told Hannah ever since that morning, she's kind of like presented herself as, I'm here. <laughs> and I've continued to cry out to Jesus, so what am I supposed to do? When she swallows a stinking quarter, I'm like, are you serious? You're too little. Start with a penny. No, I'm like, what are you thinking? <laughs> But the bond with that little girl has been way unique. Sandy, you hear me? There was a bond with her from the start. I mean, Caleb, I love you. <laughs> but I didn't catch you. The midwife was there. And Jesse even cut your cord. Did you know that? I don't know how that worked out. But uh, <laughs> we did things a little different, okay? You're going, oh, God, I'm going to sit under this guy's teaching? Are you serious? <laughs> That's right. But she's my joyful one. Her name, Hannah Joy, means graceful, joyful one of the Lord. And 
I'm looking going, I need his grace, but man, I really value my little grace. You hear me? I need God's grace every day. I need grace when I feel like giving up. I need grace to do the right thing when I don't want to do the right thing, when it's the hard thing, when it's the difficult thing, when I'm dealing with difficult people. I need grace to remember who I am at times and whose I am because the enemy is out to pick me apart just like you. Remember who you are, okay? I need God's grace when I'm tempted. Anybody been tempted this week? I've been tempted. We go, we have dinner with Jeff and Jamie last night who are family in this church. And I get back home and Caleb and Jesse, they're going to sleep shut the door, I'm going to sleep, and I just stand there and look in that bedroom that I've been sleeping in since 1998 with Barb, and I'm like, woo, this bedroom feels empty. And the temptation to throw a pity party and the temptation of, man, she might be up there another week or two weeks, and I've asked her when she wants me to come, and she's like, I, I was tempted to feel sorry for myself, to feel sorry for Hannah, to feel, anybody been tempted? I mean, I was tempted last night. First Peter 5, I've been meditating on this, and everything I'm sharing with you, you go, you, you're right, you've been living it. Cast all your anxiety, your care, your worry, your fear, your concern, cast all your concern on him, Jesus, the resurrected king. Cast all your concern on him because he cares for you. I'm like, man, the Lord cares for me, for Hannah, for Barb, for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Cast your care on him, then sober up and realize that the devil wants to take you down pick you apart, ruin your perspective, rob your joy. First Peter, I, I, I pondered this passage over the years. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm casting. The word cast literally means to hurl or throw. Throw it at him. And then be sober in spirit. Not just sober where you're not drinking. Sober in the Holy Spirit. The power of the gospel be sober. And then he says, he's seeking someone to devour. But, that's a big transitional but, but resist the devil. Who's supposed to resist the devil? You, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the shed blood of Jesus, and being equipped with the armor of God. Amen. Satan's coming at you. Make sure you're letting your concern go to him. Christ, he's already taken all of your worry, your concern, your fear, everything you'll struggle with, and he's nailed it to the cross. Hurl it to him. After you've suffered a little while, you're going to suffer. You're going to hurt. After you've suffered a little while, don't miss this. The God of all grace, the one who extends favor and kindness, who throws the prodigal the party, the God of all grace will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish. Stand firm in your faith. Don't try to fight it on your own. 
It's your faith and your resolve in Christ. And I'm telling you, over the last three or four days, my little 16-year-old girl has ministered to me more than anybody has probably over the last five or ten years. As soon as she was diagnosed, she goes, it's doable. Let's fight it. We FaceTime her. She's radiant. She's joyful. How you doing? I'm all right. I mean, the Lord's with me. So many people are praying for me. I mean, you know, the thought of being up here a long time, but it is what it is. And Caleb and Jesse and everybody that's FaceTime with her, you'll go, what's happening with her? The grace and peace of Christ is leaking out of her. And I'm looking going, wow, is that really true? Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Remember Johnny Erickson Tata, she's known in the Christian world. She was paralyzed from the neck down diving accident years ago. She was speaking at this conference, Billy Graham School of Evangelism. I was there with Barb, and she was speaking. And she's like, there's many of you that see me I'm paralyzed from the neck down, and you feel sorry for me. And you've got sympathy and empathy, but you're feeling sorry for me. And you're like, I can't believe she's paralyzed. And she's making all these statements. And she goes, stop. God's given me grace to deal with what I'm going through. God has not given you grace to deal with what I'm going through. But he's given it to me. And it changed my perspective listening to Johnny Erickson Tata. She said then, but God will give you grace to deal with what you're going through. And we never know what the grace of God really feels like until we need it in our own personal lives. And how God graces us in that moment is like, you see, when you become a believer, you're no longer Satan's property. And he's going to open up every lucky charm box he can to try to woo you and snare you and pull you back into your sin. Man, I've given my life to Christ. Well, Satan's coming at you, but some of you have never built yourself up in the faith. You're not strong in the faith, and you continue to cave into the enemy, and he's eating your lunch because you're not sober and you're not strong, and you haven't identified who you are in Christ, and you're going back and uncovering your flesh patterns, and you keep going toward the familiar, and God is saying, stop it. The enemy is wanting to eat your lunch. He's out to devour you. We call these moral choices between good, bad, right, wrong, good, best. We call them temptations. And I heard a guy years ago say, opportunity knocks on the door, but temptation leans on the doorbell. You ever feel that way? Like an opportunity comes around and it's gone, but temptation just leans on the doorbell. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, we're going to go paint the town. We're, we're going to go have some fun. And the problem is, and don't miss this. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you were brought up in the church or brought up in the world. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. You will never outgrow temptation. I wish we did. I wish by the time we get about 35 or 40, it's like, whoo, I'm glad that season's over with. But you will be tempted all your life. And Satan knows your weakness. 
We call it variable temptation. But where you struggle, I might not struggle. That's the reason we can't rank sin. We've got to emphasize the shed blood of Jesus and what Christ can do in a person's life. But being tempted is not sin. If being tempted was sin, then Jesus sinned. Jesus was tempted, never gave in to temptation. So yielding to temptation and carrying out the lust leads to sin. Is it wrong to be sin- uh, tempted? No. Trevor, we're going to be tempted. That's what we're, we're tempted at times, brother. You tempted? Yeah. You tempted at 56? Yes. Different than what it was at 36 and 16. Still tempted. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful and will always provide a way of escape. There's exit doors for some in this room today. It means turn the channel. For some in this room today, it means leave the room. I'm not staying in this room, what they're talking about, what they're... For some, it means Run. For some, it means don't hang out with them anymore. For some, it means delete the app. For some, it means grab a stinking sledgehammer and bash your iPad because you don't know how to stay off of it and kill your cell phone while you're at it. I'm telling you, Josh, it's okay. If there's anything robbing me of my joy and taking me away, and I'm like, for now, I'm bashing it, I'm getting rid of it. Until I have more discipline and focus and surrender in my life, I don't need it. For some, it's change the way you're thinking. Change your negative perspective. For some of you in this room, it's stop complaining and start praising. Eliminate the D. Make it an H. It's disappointment. No, it's his appointment. What are you going through? We're going through his appointment for our family in Hannah. Well, I'll be doggone. It changes your perspective. What are you going through? I'm going through so much disappointment. Cross out the D. Change your attitude and perspective. And I'm telling you, when you do that, a statement we've used, you will stop telling God how big your problems are, and you will start telling your problems how big your God is. Because where I've had to land this week is, my God is bigger than any sickness. There is no maverick molecules in my God's economy. Do I believe it? Yeah. Yep. I, I, I believe it. So, I need grace when I'm tempted. I need grace when I'm tired. Woo, I'm tired. Like the brothers in the South say, I ain't been this tired since the last time. <laughs> brothers down in Newton used to say that made me laugh. I'm like, oh. I know what you're saying. Because life can be exhausting. And the pressures of life come at us sometimes, and 
the fatigue and frustration can sit in. It can be hard sometimes. Sometimes it's hard doing the right thing when it's the difficult thing. And sometimes, man, you just, you don't want to fight no more. And I need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit inside of me saying, stand up. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, declares the Lord. It doesn't matter how much weight you've lifted or how much you haven't. This is going to be a spiritual battle you're going to have to fight. And I'm telling you, I'm going to hurt at times. I'm going to cry at times, and so are you. But Galatians 6 says, don't grow weary in doing good. The word weary means don't prop your feet up and don't become stale and stagnant. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing what's right, for in due time. When the time's right, you're going to reap a harvest. You're going to reap what you sow, but you might as well sow right seed so that you reap it later. You sow faith and you sow prayers and you're, you're, you're sowing perseverance. And, and I, I just don't know how people handle storms when they get tired and, and they don't have the word and they don't have the perspective of God. I don't know how they struggle through that. It's a bad struggle. I mean, we've jacked a lot of stuff up in our journey, so this ain't like, check us out. But Hannah has been taught the word of God. Hannah really has developed, Jesse and Caleb will tell you that her determination in the word, in her prayer time and word time, it's pretty impressive. And she never did it to impress anybody, but God somehow was working in her. And that little girl, I would go in and she would have her Bible open. Right now, media that Dustin mentioned earlier, we would love to give you a copy where you can subscribe to it. It's on our website where you can jump on and just go to the Cross Loganville and say, right now, media, I want I'd go in there and say, what are you doing? I'm going through the book of James with Francis Chan. I'm doing this, and I'm like, I challenged our people years ago when I was going through First John during the summer. This was about four or five years ago. She was like 11 or 12. But I said, I want to challenge y'all to memorize at least First John 1. There's 10 verses there. And I'm going to go through First John over the next, uh, those five chapters over the summer. And that was on a Sunday, Tuesday morning. She comes upstairs. I come upstairs and she's sitting there. And Barb goes, Hannah's got something she wants to tell you. I'm like, what? And she quoted First John 1 to me. And I said, when did you start memorizing that? She goes, Sunday. I'm like, really? She goes, you challenged everybody to memorize it, didn't you? And, and so here's the point. If you don't have ammo to fight with when you go into a storm or a battle, I'm telling you, you just open yourself up for so much more attack and vulnerability. If you've got opportunity right now and breath to get a strong foundation in Christ and a strong foundation in the Word, Michael, you just got baptized a few weeks ago. Get your foundation as strong as you can, Sean. You, you got to. I mean, when Josh Lee started coming here, I'm like, this boy is devouring the word of God. And you started building that strong foundation. You and Hannah, as you started your, just your journey with Christ in a deeper way, and then you get married, and it's like, man, y'all got a strong foundation. Keep building on that. I mean, sometimes I don't want to be nice. I want to be a jerk, and I need grace. 
Don't grow weary in doing good. Sometimes uh, I don't want to extend grace to other people. Sometimes I want to be rude. I'm down at my mom and dad's Wednesday, I'm telling you. And Caleb had been at the beach with Neil and the Chups and some people, and they were dropping him off at the noon and exit. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to pick Caleb up. We're going to hang. We finished eating at Cracker Barrel, and that's when Barb called. But right before that, I mean, there's already this tension, right? I was fasting Monday and Tuesday. Don't tell people when you fast. So I didn't tell you all when I was fasting. I'm telling you that I did fast. And so I was, I was eating because Hannah, that was the first time I'd really eat was that evening. And uh, Hannah was like, how long would you go? And I told her, and she goes, I don't think I can go over three or four hours without eating. Let us fast and pray for you. You eat. You need to gain weight. So we're, we're, but we finish our meal at Cracker Barrel. And I'm from Noonan originally. And this guy, I don't even know who he was. I don't know if, I looked at him and I'm like, did we graduate together? In my mind, and I'm like, if we did, I look a lot better than you. No, I, I, I was like looking at him going, I don't even know who he is. But this is how the conversation started. Hey, Tim. And I'm like, hey, buddy. Because everybody's buddy when you don't know their name. And I'm like, how are you doing? And this is what he said. So I'm, I'm dealing with my baby and baby girl and mom's up in Minneapolis. Just praying through stuff. Caleb's back home. Praise the Lord. We're going to hang out. And this is, this is just where I'm at. See the dude. Don't know who he is. And he looks at me and says, I sent you a friend request about six months ago on Facebook and you didn't accept it. And I wanted to say, I don't know who you are, but I don't like you. And now you should know why I didn't accept it. I don't let morons into my life. But I didn't say that. Because I said, Lord, I need grace for this one. Lord, I don't want to be nice to that dude. I was like, hey, I don't know what happened. Send me another one. I will. Daddy's sick right now. If you could go by and see him, that'd mean a lot to him. I don't even know who you are and who your daddy is. <laughs> I haven't spent any time in Noonan really since I graduated from high school. And Dean, I'm sitting there going, I don't want to be nice. And the Lord said, extend grace. You're no better than he is. Did you have anything happen like that in the last few days where you just didn't want to be nice? Where you get tired of being nice, sometimes I want to be a jerk and I succeed. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're looking for a minister and pastor that just, he's got it all together. This one? This one's struggling and trying to make sense every day. And this one says, Lord, I need your grace right now. I, I really want to snap right now. And I feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit says, you got to count to five. Dalton, when that guy said that to me, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you might want to count to 20. <laughs> Some people just rub you the wrong way at times, right? And, and according to when you intersect with them, it's like, Lord, I need God's grace when I face troubles. When I'm tempted, when I'm tired, 
I'm finishing with this one. When I face troubles, I need God's grace. In the world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. But in this world, you will have. So there's no sense in asking God to eliminate what he promised that we were going to have. That's not another one of those promises in Scripture. You're going to have trouble, okay? And Ray, sometimes those troubles come. It's like, I've had this one enough. Please let me have something else. I've dealt with this one enough, whether it's addiction or whatever. Uh, troubles that kind of knock you down, got knocked down, a little sickness and illness. That, that, that knocks us down sometimes. And so it's like, whew, that's trouble. Uh, troubles that kind of keep you down, it's when relationships go sideways and, and I'm going through this divorce or I went through this betrayal. Man, I jacked something up. I got to face the music. Troubles that keep you down, diseases, even potentially death. And there's people here, like talking about Hannah with cystic fibrosis being kind of a, a diagnosis with her. her. Her best little friend, Kate, has NF, which is a different thing, but it's very similar with the way they treat them. It's all in the lungs. When you look at Kate, and she's doing these breathing treatments multiple times a day, they have to wear this weighted vest, and it shakes them and to loosen everything up, and it's, it's very similar. Her and Kate's been buddies for five or six years, and now they're going to be battling similar things. So God already has hooked them up together to be sidekicks in the battle. Is that a trip? But there's diseases and certain things that you deal with and difficulties that you go, this kind of keeps me down a little bit. I mean... And again, bragging on you two, I don't know what God's going to do, Ella. Also, I don't know what he's going to do, Ella. But there's some things that just go, man, this has really knocked me down. This is really weighing me down. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Come on, put your trust back in God. Get your perspective right. And, and I need that. Life is filled with trouble. Some of us bring trouble on ourselves. We did it. I can handle that one. But some of this other stuff where there's difficulties and disabilities and Man, I didn't stand in line for that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask for that. I, I, I didn't want that one on my plate. I didn't want to have a couple of seizures or whatever, Steve, and I, I didn't want that. Well, you got it. Got it. Yep. You got it. Some of us right now are at the brink of experiencing the freedom and the joy of the Lord, but we've got to change our perspective and mindset. Some of us here, and I've heard it, you've held on to a statement and a mindset that keeps you and robs you. You're forfeiting the grace and peace of God. And, and here, here's, here's what it is. I've thought about this. I would be free, and I would be joyful, and I would be walking with the Lord if only you would have given me different parents. If only I had been raised somewhere else. If only I had not been molested. I'm not minimizing any of this. I'm just saying. If only I had married somebody different. If only I hadn't been introduced to porn at 13. If only I hadn't been introduced to weed at 12. If only, and we limp in here. Yeah, that's good for you, brother, but if only I had a different job, and if only 
And early on, I'm like, I'm pursuing baseball. I'm going to play baseball. High school, college, professionally with the Astros. Bam, elbow. I'm looking around going, I can compete with these guys. I can throw with these guys. Two years later, another one. Bam. And the temptation was, if only I would have stayed healthy. If only I could have stayed healthy, I would have made it to the big leagues. If only I would have made it to the big leagues, I would have made a lot of money. If only, if only. And early on, God goes, drop the if only. I'm like, all right, you got to help me. I want you to live in since then, not if only. Since then that the king died on the cross. Since then that he shed his blood. Since then that he redeemed you of your sin. Since then you're dead in Christ and now. You're alive to the hope of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Since then, the worst thing that can happen to you will never happen to you because the worst thing would be dying and going to hell. Well, you're a child of, the God, uh, of God. You're going to spend eternity in heaven. So the worst thing, Tim, since only Christ died for you, it's not going to happen. And since the best thing that can happen is you're going to spend eternity with, with the king, since, since then... Drop your if-only card. And Trevor, I'm telling you, brother, there's so many people that limp through life holding on to the argument, if if only, if only she hadn't left me, if only, stop it. The enemy is robbing you today. We've all jacked stuff up. I know, I wish we had mulligans, but we don't. Here's where we're, we are here. We need the Holy Spirit poured out on us to free us. We need to forgive ourselves. Some of us need to practice forgiving others. We need to welcome the grace of the gospel in this moment. Come on. Here's my rap. Isaiah 41. I love Isaiah 40, Isaiah 41. But listen to what he says. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear. I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. I'll keep a firm grip on you. No, don't, don't freak out. Don't panic. Cast your cares over here. Come on. So as I was thinking through this, and I'll wrap it with this, what's the next step? Now, this is what I've been practicing this week. This, Julie got my notes two weeks ago. I'm like, because I really felt like this was the direction God was leading me in. So it's not like I wrote this after this week. This is where we're at. Andrea, before you went through that tough time with your friend being killed in a car wreck, baby, I'm telling you right now, my heart goes out to you and all your friends. I'm like, it, it crushed me. But before any of this stuff has happened in the last couple of weeks, bam, Julie, here, here, here's my notes. What do you do? I got four simple things. There, there's more that I'm doing, but here's four simple ones. One, I cry out to Jesus. I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I told Amanda, thank you for letting me cry on your shoulder. Hannah had reached out, told Kara, Rick and Kara, she told Kara, I called Kara, I start crying again, I'm like, I ain't calling nobody else, I'm just going to cry all night. I'm just crying. But I was crying out to the Lord, Lord, I need you to sustain me. I woke up the next morning looking for paper towel, toilet paper, whatever I could find, just snot, I'm like 3.30 in the morning laying in bed, that's where I am. I'm just crying. What's this going to look like? What's this going to feel like? What's it going to do to her? It doesn't matter. God's sovereign. So I cry out to Jesus. I got I, I to I do that. That's where I find the grace. Two, I dive into God's word. 
If you follow me on social media, most of what I'm writing right now is word. Grass withers, flowers fades, my opinions come and go, but the word of God is going to remain. I'm like, I've got to word out. What else are you doing? Three, I'm claiming the promises of God. There's over 7,000 promises in scripture. I'm not naming it and claiming it. I'm receiving what God has already said. I'm not going to sit on the premise. I'm going to stand on the promise, and I'm going to stand strong on the Word of God. What else are you going to do? I'm going to, number four, I'm going to reach out to other believers. I'm going to lean into my brothers that I do life with here every day, but I'm going to lean in. Hey, Dustin, man, I need you to, I need you to walk with me. At 4.30 the other morning, on Wednesday, or Thursday morning, I sent John Schmacher, who prays for me, who prayed for the pastor to be at this church before he ever got here, who was me. I sent John a note at 4.30. I'm like, he'll be awake here soon. He'll start praying. And I sent a note to Mama, Mama Kay. These are my 80-year-old saints. I'm like, they'll intercede. These are my girls. Get them going. These are all you girls. I, I, I don't know where we would be without y'all. Ida, I need you praying. June, Sheila, I need y'all praying. We need, we, we need each other praying every day. I mean, I, we pray for y'all. We've interceded for this body since we got here. It's like, hey, I, need, I, I just got to process some stuff right now. I have to talk through confusion sometimes. I don't know about you. And I got to talk this out, Nick. Steve, come here, man. I need some help. Are you connected? I promise you right now, if you go through a storm and you're not connected, Nick Brown, you know it. I don't know how people make it through it, brother. Let's go into prayer. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there. Uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web, or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.